The message you're about to listen to is by Reverend Dr. Femi Olaleye of Oikea Christian Center. Remain blessed as you listen. Speak with the one in your local church. You can watch the others later. All right, stay in and receive the ministry. All right, praise God. All right, amen. So we are going to be talking about New Testament worship. This is, this is part three, right? This is part three. Hallelujah. I'm not going to recap because recap takes time. Praise the Lord. I said, praise God. Now, in New Testament 3, we are going to be looking at New Testament, all right, New Testament worship, order, and practice. New Testament 3, order, and practice. This is where we will begin to look at how New Testament worship should, you know, occur in the New Testament Apostolic Church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, turn your Bible with me, St. John's Gospel, chapter number 4, and we're going to look at from verse 19 into 24. Yeah, by the way, Charismatic Renewal Conference is holding April 1st to April 4th. Hallelujah. Praise God. All right, now, April 1st is a pre-conference meeting. It's happening on Thursday. Hallelujah. That April first is on a Thursday. That one is holding here. I'm expecting all members and workers. No, all members can. This place can't take all members of Wikia. Amen. Praise God. All right. So we will manage for the first one. Praise God. But by the grace of God, Friday, we're going to have it at Nightcomes Event Center. That one can take everybody. Praise God. All right. And Saturday also. I think that one can take everybody, you know. You know, praise God. Then, you know, Saturday to take everybody to glory to God. Then on Sunday, we all go to our churches. All right. I mean, we care churches, our branches for us to have um, the grand finale. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, there was a time when we said we all went to our churches. You know what that meant, right? It meant, you know, different, you know, but when we say go to our churches, it's our church. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Now, ministering at, um, by the grace of God, CRC, all right, all the world ministers are Oikea people. Amen. All right. So, we're going to be having Pastor Talani. I'm a few of Pastor Talani's teaching ministry. I always watch our videos. I'm like, wow, that's my wife. Hey, <laughs> praise God. Then we have my wonderful, wonderful, wonderful friend, Pastor Ade Oluwa Adeniji. All right, it's going to be teaching also, taking sessions there. Then we are going to have some ministers also take some short, short sessions throughout the meeting. It's going to be a blessing. We're going to have impartation services, all right? And we're going to have prayer meetings. Then we're going to have teaching meetings because we're going to be clarifying, you know, doctrinal positions of the of Oikea Christian Center so that you are without confusion and doubt as to what we teach from the apostolic standpoint. Praise the Lord. All right, if you don't, our ministry by grace of God is a prophetic and teaching ministry. That's why you notice we are very strong on teaching. Praise God. Praise God. We are very strong in that. All right, let's get into the word. John chapter 4, are you there? 19 to 24. Now, pay attention, we're talking about New Testament worship. Now, what does it say? Quickly, can we read? Can we read? What does it say? 
He says, the woman said, this is a Samaritan woman. The woman said unto him, sir, I perceive that I are the prophet. Now, why does he say, sir, I perceive that I are a prophet? He says, she says that I perceive I are a prophet because he had told her that she had had five husbands. Praise the Lord. All right, that she had had five husbands. So Jesus gives her accurate word of knowledge. Now, verse 19, all right, he says, sir, I perceive that I are a prophet. Now, the next verse, verse 20, what does he say? Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. Now, notice, our father worshipped in this mountain. And he said that in Jerusalem, is the place where men ought to worship. I told you in the first, um, um, when we talked about the first time, I told you that this mountain they were talking about Mount Gerizim. Mount Gerizim was the location where the Samaritans actually worshipped. If you understand the foundation of the Samaritan nation, you see that what happened was, all right, after Solomon backslid, all right, and his death, the kingdom of Israel was divided into two. Ten parts, all right, went to Jeroboam, and two parts went to Rehoboam. Now, the ten parts that went to Jeroboam, all right, in the long run, the capital of that part of Israel was Samaria, all right, and the capital of the part that fell to Rehoboam was Jerusalem. But as time went on, after the children of Israel were led into captivity, into Babylon, and into all of those places, and they were scattered abroad, okay, during the time when they were told to return, okay, after they had been scattered. What happened was, there were certain, you know, Israelites and Jews that came back to Samaria. And when they came back to Samaria, because they didn't have enough women, okay, so those guys now began to intermarry with the tribes around. So all the children they gave birth to were not pure Jews. Are you following? They were not what? pure Jews. So, because they were not pure Jews, like for example, we call people like that, maybe an interracial marriage, you call them mulattoes and things like that. So, because they were not pure Jews, they were not accepted into Jerusalem worship culture because those who were accepted into the temple, Solomon the temple, had to be pure what? Pure Jews. So, they had to now set up their own institutions, all right, that was located in what? Mount what? Gerizim. They even came up with their own scriptures. They also came up with their scriptures in that their own translations of scriptures because what happened was that, you know, Moses will write one book, but there will be several copies. So they still also had their copies of scriptures. In fact, there's a popular one that was found at the cave of Qumran called the Samaritan Pentateuch. You understand? So you have things like that. So she is saying that we have a problem right now in the nation of Israel, all right, it is the Jews and the Samaritans. The Jews say it is Jerusalem that you should worship, just like people say my church is the best church. The, the Jews say Jerusalem is the place to worship, but the Samaritans said that it is what? Mount Gerizim. So she comes to tell Jesus where is the best place to worship. Now notice that the focus of the question is a where. That means that the question is about where is the best place for worship to occur? Are you following? Come on, are you following? So she's talking about a place. Because the argument was about a place. Because in Mount Gerizim, they offered sacrifices, they went to pray. We're going to be looking at the four things that comprises worship in the Old Testament. And how we're going to now look at the parallel in the New Testament. Amen. Amen. All right. So she now says, ah, you know, it's a place. You know, the Jews say it is Jerusalem. We say it's Mount Gerizim. Where is the place to worship? Now look what Jesus said. Jesus said unto her, woman, believe me, the hour cometh. Now the hour there is talking about season. All right. The hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship who? 
Worship who? The Father. Jesus now introduces a person because they are talking about a place. Jesus brings our attention to a who? To a person. Are you following so far? All right. He brings our attention to a who? A person. He says, all right, the time coming and now is where you are not going to worship the Father in Jerusalem or at Mount Gerizim. But, all right, he's saying, the next verse now says, you worship, you know not what? We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. Jesus takes a dig, you know, kind of like um, how they say it now in woke parlance. He a digger, chose a digger or something. But or he, he, he what? He subs out, right? Now, he now says for salvation of the Jews. Now, when he says for salvation is of the Jews, he's not saying that salvation belongs to the Jews alone. He's saying that the Messiah is going to come where? Via the Jews. You understand? So when he says salvation is of the Jews, it means that salvation will come through a Jew. Praise God. He was speaking about himself. He now says, but the hour cometh, and now is, when the true what? Worshippers shall worship where? The Notice, it is the Father that is the object of worship. Shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. He says, for the Father does what? Seeketh such to worship him. Now, Jesus Talks a question about location of worship and now says the location of worship is not physical. The location of worship is what? Spiritual. Notice, he said, all right, he says, but the hour comment and now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father where? In spirit and what? In truth, okay? For the Father seeketh such to worship him. Which means, up to this moment, nobody had worshipped the Father in spirit, and no person had worshipped the Father what in truth. Are you following? Why? Because he says in 24, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him where? In spirit, and in what? In truth. Now let us look at certain things that we need to get out of the way in our study of terms, terminologies, all right, in this particular scripture, St. John's Gospel, chapter 4. Now, you have this expression where it says, in, I-N. Do you know that that, you know, in your Bible study, a small word like in can actually have serious theological implications? Glory to God. For example, I'll give you an example. Now, you remember the scripture, you know, Jesus Christ, the Bible says um, in St. John's Gospel chapter 1, he says, for the law came by Moses, but what? Grace and what? Truth came by what? Jesus. Right. Now, I was listening to a dear man of God, and I, I love him, I respect the grace on his life. So, this man of God was, you know, preaching somewhere, and he said that the problem of the church in Nigeria was that we took one leg of the gospel and threw the other out. So what he was saying, he says, that the problem was we accepted grace, but we threw away the truth. That the Bible says that the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus. That we took the grace aspect of Jesus, but we did not take the what? The truth. <laughs> Praise the Lord. When I listened to it, I was like, wow, okay. Amen. 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 Glory to God. But in the Greek originals, in the Greek rendering, rendering, what Jesus was saying, it wasn't Jesus now, John the Baptist that said that. All right. 
Jesus was saying was not saying that grace and truth are different entities. That's not what he was saying. Because the word and is the Greek word kai. Remember I told you about the grand bishop rule of Greek grammar where he says that if you have two nouns, praise God, brought together, all right, by conjunction, praise God, all right, most of the time, all right, what he's saying is the first noun and the second noun are referring to what? The same thing. So that means, all right, you have the and place before the second noun is there for emphasis. So when he says the law came by Moses, but what? Grace and what? Truth by Jesus. He's saying grace is the what? The truth that Jesus brought. Because Jesus in John 14, 6 calls himself the truth. He says, I am the way, I am what? The truth, and I am what? The life. So the way is the truth, the life is the truth, and all are referring to who? Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So grace and truth are not separate entities. The grace, the gospel is the truth. Glory to God. Glory to God. Just that small word, and. Because in English, and is a conjunction bringing together two separate entities in English. So that's why that man of God made that mistake. But in Greek, not necessarily so. Glory to God. Because in the Greek, it is charis kai alitia. That's what he's saying. Charis, do charis kai alitia. He's saying the charis is the alitia. The charis is the reality. You understand? The grace is the truth. The law was a shadow. Are you following? So he contrasts the law of Moses with grace. Letting you know that the law was a typology of the truth. It's a shade. You know a shadow. You know shadow now. Come on, you know shadow. When you have a shadow, all right, the shadow is not the ring thing. It's casting off of the substance. You understand? So the, the light is not enough. So the person's body casts a shadow. All right? The person casting a shadow is the truth. The shadow casted is the law. Are you following? You cannot hold on to the law because the law is not the substance. The substance is the person. Praise God. So grace, which is Jesus, is the truth. The law is a typology. Hallelujah. Is this clear? Come on, is this clear? Is this clear? Now, let's now go back to the word in. Jesus said, they that worship him must worship him what? In spirit and in what? In truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. The word in there is from the Greek word en. That is en. <laughs> en. And en, that is uh, maybe, you know, uh, E-N actually describes, all right, instrumentality. That means when you say, all right, N, that is E-N, what is describing is, I will show you an example of it in 1 Corinthians, is talking, is describing an instrumentality. So if you say that, listen, look at me. In the Greek, if you say that you are in something, praise God, and en is used as the word to communicate it. 
What that means is that you are not just in it. Praise God. You are with it. Are you following? Are you following? You are not just in it. You are also what? With it. Eh? So let me show you something. Turn to 1 Corinthians 14. Sometimes when I'm doing, we're doing Bible study, I cannot help but begin to go into, you know, grammar and all of that. Because you cannot, if it's Bible study, you have to do it. Amen? Now look at 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 14. It says something. That Paul is speaking about tongues. Paul is speaking about tongues. He says, listen. For if I pray in. Notice. The word in there is, uh, that's the same word that, that we just saw in John. He said, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth. Huh? But my understanding is what? Unfruitful. Now look at the next verse. What is it then? I will what everybody read. He says what? I will what? Pray with what? I will pray with what? The word with there is the same word as in. Now, if you go back to 1 Corinthians 14, for, uh, 14, 14, you will find out that if you replace in with with, nothing changes. You understand? Because if it says, for if I pray with an unknown tongue, is, is, he, is he wrong? Because in there or in there is talking about using something. It's communicating instrumentality. Praise God. So, for example, if I say, I beat a fist with the stick. It means that my action was that I beat a fist. But what did I use to beat a fist? With a stick. Are you following? So that is what uh, communicates instrumentality. So that means there is an action you are performing. But you are performing that action with the instrumentality of something. So when Jesus says, they that worship the Father... Must worship him in spirit and in truth. What is the action being performed? Worship. What is the tool being used? The spirit. Are you following? Come on, is this clear? What is the action being performed? Worship. What is the tool being used? The spirit. So that is what he is saying here. He is saying that, for if I pray with an unknown tongue. So that means the action is prayer, but the instrument is what? The spirit. Look at verse 15. All right? So it says, what is it then? I will pray with the spirit. So that is, prayer is the action, instrumentality, spirit. I will pray with the understanding. Now, listen to the next one. Prayer is the action. Instrumentality is the mind. Understanding. So that means understanding of what I'm saying is spirit, but the mind. Okay? Then it says, I will sing with the spirit. All right? Singing is the action. Instrumentality is what? The spirit. Amen. So what Jesus was saying in St. John's Gospel chapter 4, um, chapter 4 was that the Father is seeking for men and women who will be able to talk to him and worship him with their newborn spirits. Their spirits that is alive to God. Amen. Because Without the Holy Ghost living in men, they could not participate or engage God with their spirits. Oh, do you understand? Because to engage God with your spirit, you have to first of all be born of God. 
The man who can engage God with his spirit and offer worship to God with his spirit must first of all have the Holy Ghost in him, must first of all be born of God. Because to offer worship to God, you must do it through the instrumentality of God. Everything that God accepts must come from God himself. Think about it. The sacrifice for your sin, all right, is accepted by God because it was offered by who? God. You had nothing you've contributed. So what God accepts is what God supplies. What God accepts is what God provides. Glory to God. Are you following? Are you following? So for man to offer worship, in the spirit, man must be born again. For man to offer worship in the spirit, man must be in the spirit. Look at 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 17. It says what? He that is joined to the Lord is what? One spirit with him. Philippians 3 and verse 2. It says, for we are the circumcision. Not made with hands, who worship God in the spirit, and we have no what confidence where in the flesh. Because in the old testament, the confidence they had in their worship was what they did where in the flesh. Paul is saying, Our confidence is not in the flesh, it is not in the circumcision of our flesh, our confidence is not in the gyration of our bodies, our confidence is not in what we put up as a show in our bodies, our confidence is we are in the Holy Ghost, in the spirit. Therefore, so we are the circumcision. Which worship God we are in the spirit, which can also say, which worship God, which worship God with the spirit. Amen. Amen. Which worship God what? With the spirit. And rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Everybody say with me, worship is spiritual. Louder, worship is spiritual. Say it again, worship is spiritual. Very important. Worship is spiritual. It means that the source, the primary location where which worship springs up is your reborn spirit. Is the reason why a man who is not alive to God, a man who is not born again, cannot worship God. The Bible says, let everything that has breath praise. Doesn't say worship. Because for you to worship, you have to be born again first. Remember, worship is submission. Remember what we said? Worship is what? Submission. So the man who worships God must first have submitted to God's plan for all right, his life. And what is God's plan for his life? For him to receive Jesus as the only all right, propitiation for his sin. So the man who has not done that has not submitted. And the man who has not submitted is not worship because the word worship itself means to submit. It means to what? Bow down. It means to what? Surrender. Shaka. Praise God. I said praise God. I said praise God. Very, very important. Now, we saw that in the, new, in the, in the Old Testament, all right, we saw that worship primarily in Genesis, all right, is it Genesis chapter 21 or 22? All right, 
uh, Abraham was told to um, take his son and offer as a sacrifice, we explained that the first mention of the word worship was connected to what sacrifice. Remember that? Now, in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 3 to 20, we begin to see four actions. Four actions that are consistent with worship in the Old Testament. Alright, you can read that when you get home. First Samuel, oh, let's even look at it. First Samuel chapter 1, verse 3 to 20. First Samuel chapter 1, verse 3 into 20. Now, and this man, this is Elkanah, Samuel's father, and this man went up out of his city yearly. Listen, you know, yearly to what? Worship. That is Shiloh. Okay, Shiloh. They went to Shiloh. All right. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in where? In where? In Shiloh location. Now, let me just show you some Christology here. If you go and look at um, Genesis chapter 49, in the words of prophecy that, um, what is his name now? Jacob gave to his sons. Jacob said to Judah, he said, the scepter shall not de uh, depart from Judah, neither a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh comes. Until Shiloh comes. So Shiloh, he said, for unto him shall the gathering of the people what? Be. So which means Shiloh is not a place. Shiloh is a what? Is a what? Is a what? Person. Hallelujah. So when they went to Shiloh, once a year, it was a typology of, right, of Christ. So they went to Shiloh once a year to offer up sacrifices according to the law. But remember in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 1, he said, For the law was a shadow of things to come, not having the substance of the things. Colossians chapter 2 verse 13 tells us that all right, the sacrifices and the drink offerings were a shadow of things to come. But the substance is what? Is Christ. Hallelujah. So when she went to worship, glory to God, she went to worship, okay, all right, at Shiloh, we see a typology. Praise the Lord. We see a typology. That I don't want to go deeper because if I, if, I, if I go deeper, if Shiloh is a typology of Christ, Christ is what? God's firstborn son. Is that correct? Is that the firstborn son? He was the only begotten then became the first begotten because of all of us. Hallelujah. Then Hannah Goes here, all right, not Anna, Danichi, Anna here, praise her. Goes to, listen, listen, she goes to, she goes to Shiloh, all right, which is speaking of Christ. And she prays to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that if you give me a son, I will give my own firstborn son, hallelujah, as an offering to you. Hallelujah. Amen. I will give my firstborn son as an offering, what? To you, he will serve you all the days of his life. So she is at Shiloh, which is she is at, oh glory to God. She is in Christ and she is there worshiping, saying, I will give my first because you have given me your first. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So you see Christology, typology, because if you go on to First Samuel, I, will, I think I'll touch on this during CRC. You go on to First Samuel chapter 2, you're going to find something interesting that happened. If you look at the words of prophecy of Anna, you will see the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ there. She says, the Lord is the one that kills. Then she didn't stop there. She says, and makes what? Alive. She's talking about the death, 
the death of Shiloh, the death of Christ, is God, God that did it, and his resurrection is God that did it. She says, you are the one that, all right, brings the poor out of the dunghill and puts him on the top. All of those things, go and, go and study it. She's talking about someone coming from somewhere low to somewhere else. She's talking of the picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's always from poor to rich, low to high. You understand? It's always talking of that. Hallelujah. But that's not today's um, sermon. So we see four things that are the activities of worship in 1 Samuel 3 to 20. All right? Okay, you, you've gone there. Just write, it, write this down. We see an offering and a sacrifice. An offering and sacrifice, which means in the Old Testament, worship was not done without a sacrifice. You never came to worship at the temple without an offering. Praise the Lord. Number two, worship, all right, involved supplication. Supplication. So worship was a spiritual activity. It involved supplication. Number three, worship involved praise. And number four, there was a posture in worship. There was a posture because the very word shakar means to prostrate. That's what it means. It means to bow down. So there was a posture in worship. So let's look at the example, an offering and a sacrifice. Exodus 32 verse 8. How many of you are learning something? Praise God. Those of you online, if you are learning something, let us know. Type something in the comment section. Let us know. Tweet something. Use hashtag where you care spreading so they can know what you're learning. Now, it says they have turned aside quickly out of the way, which I command. One of the, I think during the first service in Surulere Church on Sunday, I am going to show you the connection between altars in the Old Testament and angelic activity. Then I will also show you the connection between altars in the Old Testament and demonic activity. I will show you why, all right, the moment an altar was raised to a god, all right, that was not Jehovah, the people of Israel lost their territory. I think I shared part of that this last week, right? But we are going to look at it. So you will see that a lot of displacement and repossessing of lands and territories in the Old Testament was actually all right, representative of the conflicts between angels and fallen angels. What you find written in the scripture was God instructing the Israelites as to what they needed to do to dominate a territory. And what they shouldn't do, because if they did it, they will lose the territory. It was not God judging them per se. It was God letting them know that if you do this in the realm of the spirit, this would happen. And if this happened, your enemies will overcome you. What we see in the writings as judgment are actually warnings. Praise the Lord. The moment you are able to understand that the realm of the spirit operates by laws, you begin to understand a lot of things that happen in the Old Testament. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, Exodus 2.8, it says, They have turned aside quickly out of the way, which I commanded them. They have, this is the golden calf scenario. They have made them a molten calf and have worshipped it. Alright? That means they what? Bowed themselves to the molten calf. Then the next thing they did was, and have what? Sacrificed thereunto. You notice? No worship without what? Sacrifice. They sacrificed thereunto. And said, notice the third thing, this be thy God, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. That is praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Next verse, verse 9. All right. 
And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen these people, and behold, it is a what? A stiff-necked people. So, you, I don't want to start going to, because the next thing that happened was people died, right? Alright, those who offered those things, they died. And there is a reason why they died. Praise the Lord. Now, now the, uh, let's look at Genesis um, 24, 48. Genesis 24 and 48. Another example, Genesis 24 and 48 is talking about praise. Alright, now, Notice something. It says, and I bowed down my head and worshipped the Lord. You see that? And blessed the Lord God of my master, Abraham, which had led me in the right way to take my master's brother, daughter unto his son. So notice, in this one, the guy prostrated and bowed down and spoke words. Now you are going to notice that all through this time, you don't find any musical instrument used in worship. It is something we are going to also look at that's next week. Alright? This keyboard cannot worship God. It can't. What this keyboard is, is an extension of the person playing it. This keyboard's job is to give sound to the words we are saying. Are you following? In the scheme of worship, Keyboard and instruments are not the most important. If you understand New Testament worship, you will realize that you can actually worship without instruments. Are you following? If you have not gotten to that point where you can actually worship without instruments, you don't understand worship. He bows his head down and spake words. He worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord God. So he bowed and said, Father, I thank you. God of Abraham, I worship you. Words. Glory to God. Then the fourth thing we see is posture. The posture in worship, the, what, the posture they took, the physical posture they took in the Old Testament when they were worshiping God was that what? They bowed down, they gesticulated, all right? It's called proskinesis. Proskinesis is that posture men of the Oriental religion and in the Oriental culture took whenever they were before a sovereign or before a god. So they will bow their heads, cover their face, prostrate. You understand? So you see that all through the Bible. Let's look at examples. Genesis 24, 52. Genesis 24, 52. You know that song I just got from the Spirit at the beginning? Do you know I've forgotten it? <laughs> I've forgotten it. <laughs> and it came to pass that when Abraham's servant heard their words, he worshipped the Lord. Eh? Bowing himself, what? To the earth. So the word worship is shaka. So when he says he worshiped the Lord, all right, he's saying that there was a posture he took. What was the posture? He bowed his head to the ground. Like what the Muslims do. You know the Muslims. All right. They say, Allah Akbar. And they bow their head. What that is called is proskinesis. It's shaka. You understand? So it is a posture we are in the flesh. Praise God. Remember, we said in the New Testament, worship is not where. It's not where. So a man can bow down now and he's not a New Testament worshiper. Because bowing down is not the worship in the New Testament. Are you following? Come on, are you following? Bowing down is not the worship in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it was a typology, a shadow. It was accepted. It's okay. But in the New Testament, uh -uh, I will show you from Scripture, where God says, I, will want, I want you to rend your hearts, not your garments. 
Give me that which no man can see. Don't give me what men can see. Because you have made a religion of the physical attributes. You can buy, you battle down 15 times, 20 times, but your heart does not have eternal life. Are you following? Are you following? All right. Now, let's continue. So, you can other examples. Exodus 4.31. Then Exodus 24 verse 1. All right. So, in the Old Testament, worship involved a sacrifice, prayer and supplication, praise and adoration. And finally, there was a posture. There was a posture in worship. Now, let's examine all activities, four activities in New Testament parallels. Praise God. Praise God. Let's examine it in New Testament parallels. Now, remember what Jesus said in St. John's Gospel, chapter 4, 24, was that his, the Father is seeking for those who will worship him in what? So that means that if the person is offering sacrifice, it must be done what? In the spirit. If the person is praising, it must be done where? It must be done where? In the spirit. If the person is praying, it should be done where? In the spirit. And if the person has, is taking a posture in worship, it must be done where? Are you following? So now, the shift has moved from the flesh to where? The spirit. Glory to God. Glory to God. So now let's look at this. Amen? Amen. Now let us start with sacrifice. Now let's begin to first of all clar clarify that the sacrifice in the New Testament, alright, is what Jesus has offered. Hebrews chapter 10. It's what Jesus has offered. Hebrews chapter 10. Oh, okay. No wonder. Hebrews chapter number 10. Let us look at from verse 10. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 10. Look at what it says. Everybody want to go. It says what? By the which will we are sanctified through the what? Offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So, all of the offerings of, the, of bloods of bulls and goats, amen, were a typology of this. Colossians 2, verse 13. It is why we don't offer goat oil, a blood offering, sin offering, all right, and burnt offering today. Why? Because the sin offering and the burnt offerings in the Old Testament were a picture of the sacrifice of Jesus that will come at the, at the right time. Colossians 2.13. It says, And you being dead in your sins and your circumcision of your flesh. I think we can do now, Let's go to verse 16 into 17. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. Amen. He said, let no man therefore judge you in meat. Listen. Let no man therefore judge you in meat. All right. Or in drink. Now, if you understand the Passover. How many of you have read the Passover? Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12, remember that? Now, in Exodus chapter 12, if you understand the Passover, it's called the Passover Seder, the Passover meal. All right? It usually comprises of what? Of the unleavened bread. Then you had, um, they ate the body, the meat of the animal that they actually roasted with fire. Then you have the bitter herbs. Then you had the wine, the drink that they drank. You understand? For the Passover. So, Paul is saying, let no man therefore judge you in meat. Praise God. That means the meat of the Passover that they ate. Or in drink, that is the wine. Praise God. 
or in respect of an holy day, that means they're different feast days. Because the holy day, according to the Mosaic law, were the different feast days where the children of Israel were not supposed to go to work. You understand? It was a Sabbath, a high Sabbath. They were high Sabbath, they were low Sabbath, depending on the feast. There were three major feasts in Judaism. or There are three major feasts in Judaism. It's in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a what? Which are a what? A shadow of things to come. But he now says, but the what? The body is of Christ. So he's telling you that when now that we have Christ, Christ is the what? Explanation of all of those things. All of those things were pointing to who? To who? Christ. So in the Old Testament, pay attention. In the Old Testament, they came with their burnt offerings. They came with their goats and their bulls to offer sacrifice that the high priest will receive burnt offering and sin offering. Now, if those things were a shadow of things to come, and Christ is the thing that was coming, it means, therefore, that when we want to worship in the New Testament, what do we worship with? We worship what? With what? With Christ. Glory to God. Are you seeing that? So in the Old Testament, they brought booze and booze. What do we come with? We come with what? Christ. Look at Hebrews chapter 13. Paul uses those words exactly. Hebrews 13. Is somebody learning anything? All right. Hebrews 13, and let us look at verse 14 into 15. Glory to God. Hebrews 13, 14 into 15 says what? For here have we no continuing city... But we seek one to come. Everybody read verse 15. One to go. It says what? By him. Hold on. By him. So that means we want to do something, but we are going to use someone. It says by him. Therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise. To God. So we are offering a sacrifice of praise, but it is by Him. That's Jesus. It says, By Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God. How? Continually. That is what? The fruit of our lips. So that means in the New Testament, how we offer Christ as sacrifice to God is by talking. Come on. It's by what? Talking words. He says, all right, continually. Sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our what? Leaves. Now everybody read the last part. Oh, I can't hear everybody. Can we read the last part? He says what? Again. Giving what? Giving thanks to his name. Now, the word giving thanks. That two, those two words, giving thanks... Is actually one word in the Greek. The word giving thanks is one word in the Greek. Listen, let me tell you something. Are you seeing why you need a pastor? <laughs> Are you seeing why you need a pastor? <laughs> I heard people say, no, we don't need a pastor. We can study the Bible for ourselves. I, I know you can read the Bible by yourself. Glory to God. It's like saying you have master's book, so you don't need your professor. Praise the Lord. Those statements, they are very stupid, actually. They are, you know, they are very woke, but stupid woke. 
Glory to God. You need a pastor. Jesus that gave you a pastor is not stupid. Amen. The one that said he gave some apostles, prophets, he's not stupid. I found out something that heaven does not commit big things to people that don't submit to He won't. I, I look at someone like Bishop Oyedepo today. Have you noticed that as big as he is, he has a pastor. Pastor Oyedepo is his pastor. He has two spiritual people he submits to. Kenneth Copeland, Pastor Adeboye. There was one before, that there were three before. It was Archbishop Benson in Daosa, Pastor Adeboye, and what? So you see, you, you have to have sense in this life. Are you following? This life will punish stupid people. That's just the truth. Amen. You will have, ah, you understand? Somebody that's successful in ministry, see how people are saying yes, sir, too. Glory to God. I mean, the same man. See how people are saying yes, sir, too. But Pastor Adeboy, all the people that were saying yes, they've left the earth. Kenneth Copeland, before it was Kenneth Hagin, but Kenneth Hagin has gone. Hallelujah. I was talking, to, I was listening to one man of God. One man of God has gone through several challenges in ministry. Accusation, he has something, maybe sin and this, some things. But I heard that man say something. When I heard him say something, I said, I told my wife, I said, Babe, this man, forget he can't go down. He understands it. He understands the principle of life. You see, eh, what they are saying in the realm of the spirit and what they are saying here is not necessarily the same thing. No. Angels don't use Twitter. I even know what I'm saying. <laughs> now, yes, if a man of God did something wrong, he needs to repent and you understand. But that if he go down, angels, they don't tweet to. They don't share their opinion on Facebook Live. Amen. When I heard that man say that thing, I said, ah, this man cannot go down. The man said, I have 12 prophetic voices that I am connected to on this earth. I can't go down. Praise God. Twelve. <laughs> Glory to God. Twelve. You understand? Do you know what twelve, twelve, twelve? And all they are supernatural. A lot. You understand? The angels that go with them. You know, I, I began to value the importance, all right, of people who were in ministry above me speaking words into me. I, I began to value it. Their prayers. Their prophetic words. I began to value it. I began to place value on it. They are not perfect. But I learned, in God's spirit, dishonor is costly, and honor has a reward. Amen? Let's continue. So giving thanks. Now, pay attention. Pay attention. Hallelujah. Mm. See this word, giving thanks? In English, or in your King James Bible, they translated it as giving thanks. But in the Greek is the word homologia. I don't know if you know what homologia is. Homologia. That word giving thanks, if you go and check your Greek concordance, the word giving thanks is homologia. That's what it is. Homologia. Where we get the English word confession. In fact, what they would have better translated giving thanks here as is what? Confession. Because the word homologia, homologia is made up of two words. Greek words. You have homo and you have logia. Logia means speech. Homo means the same. Hallelujah. So when you say homologia, homologia means to agree with. So when you say the word confession, what confession means is to agree with. So when you say you are confessing the word, do you know what you are doing? You are actually what? You are actually what? 
You're actually what? Agreeing with the word. So when he says, in verse 15, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise continually, that is the fruit of our lips. Glory to God. Giving thanks to his name. What is he saying? He's saying, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God, to God, continually, that is the fruit of our lips, agreeing with what God has said concerning Jesus. So I come and say, Father, I worship you because you have made me the righteousness of God in Christ. I worship you because your blood has purged me of all my sins. I worship you, O God, for you have made me a temple of the living God. Listen, worship declares what God has made you. Worship declares what God has said about you in Christ. What, look at, have you noticed Sinak songs? Sinak song, have you noticed song? I am who God says I am. What he says I am. That is homology. I'm walking in power. I'm walking miracles. I live a life of favor. I know who I am. Now, the reason why that Shinak songs were so good and went around is because most gospel singers always like to write songs about God. You are the love of my life. You know. You are the reason that you understand. you understand. I wouldn't trade you. So those songs are about God. So they think, they thought that worship in the New Testament was God was there and we are singing about him. Ah, yeah. Do you understand? There is that. That was what the Old Testament saints did. You are God that dwells in between the cherubims. You kill and you make alive. Bless, you understand? That's fine. It's a form of adoration. There is that. But in the New Testament, it's deeper. Because in the New Testament, all right, we now begin to talk about what God has said about us based on the sacrifice of Jesus. Because when you say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because of God's work. Amen. God's word in Christ. I am reconciled to the Father because of God's work in Christ. The Holy Ghost is living in me because of God's work in Christ. I am the temple of the living God because of God's word in Christ. When I'm talking like that, I am worshipping. I am offering a sacrifice of praise. The scripture says I must do it continually. Agreeing with what God has said about me in the word. Agreeing with what Christ has done. Hallelujah. Which means, if I sing any song that does not agree with what Christ has done, it is not a gospel song. It is not a worship song. Glory to God. Glory to God. So when I say sing songs like, Ijoba Oru, Lirio Nibago, Majen, something, something, Baba, Mumide, Leo, Kimaku Sonno, Biefin, that song does not agree. With the sacrifice of Jesus. Because it does not communicate a certainty. Glory to God. That eternal life has brought to the man in Christ. It brings fear and a probability into it. So it is not homologio. Are you following what I'm saying? When we sing songs and where we are begging God to give us authority over the devil. Hallelujah. Doesn't agree when we sing songs that says we are powerless. Listen, there are two ways to pray about power as a believer. 
You can pray about power as though you don't have it and you're asking God to give you. Praise the Lord. Then you can pray about power as I have it and I'm now pumping it out. There are two ways. So, for example, I know I have the power of God, but by prayer, I make it available. So I know that the more I pray, the more power I make available. Then there is praying about power as though you didn't have power, you are begging God to give you. One is not homologio, the other is. Because you cannot find one place in the entire New Testament where men were told to pray for for power. They were told, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. As the Holy Ghost come upon you, yes, you have power. So now, James 5, 13 to 15, make it available by prayer. There is no such thing as a powerless Christian. Glory to God. Amen. There is a similarity between a prayerless Christian, all right, and a well that has a pumping machine but no light. The boat will not have water in the well, in the, in the tank. Is there water in the, in the well? Yes. But there's no water in the what? In the tank. Because the water in the well has not been pumped where? In the tank. And if the water in the well has not been pumped in the tank, even though there is water in the well, we will not have water to bathe, we will not have water to drink, water to do anything. It's the same thing with a Christian that doesn't pray. The power of God is in his spirit, but he is not Pin it out of his spirit into the physical by prayer. So it will look as though there is no power in his life. Praise God. Are you paying attention? You are, hey, the believer is a gate of heaven. Heaven kisses earth in you. In the Old Testament, they built altars. And those altars were where heaven and earth collided. The altar has been replaced. Now it's the Christian. In the Christian, heaven and hell collide. So when God wants to do anything on the earth, he talks to a Christian. Because the Christian is the one, is the gate, portal between the two realms. Without the Christian, angels can't perform. Without the Christian, all right, the devil should not be stopped. But when you have an awakened Christian, the devil is finished and God is excited. The reason why it is as though there are certain people that God uses a lot and a lot and a lot and a lot. It's not because they are special. It's because they are awakened. They are awakened. They are awakened and yielded. They are the ones that will show for their outreach. They are the ones that will go and pray. They are the ones the Lord will say, clear your account and give to me. They will obey. They are the ones obeying. But you with your neck that is bent like this. It's always bent. The Lord says, no. Then you want to sing the instruction away. There's outreach. You announce it in WhatsApp group. Brethren, we're having outreach this Saturday. For now, you unlook. You didn't see it. You understand? You didn't see it. But you are praying, Father, use me. Use you to do what? To fry egg. Is he egg he wants to use to? What is he using you for? Is he egg to fry egg? Is he to make a carabi? What? We say we should go for outreach. And you are, you are not there. You say, God, to do what? What is he using you for, brother? What? <laughs> Praise the Lord. What is he using you for? <sighs> Hallelujah. Look at them and say, wake up. Say, wake up. Tell I'm the altar of God. I'm the gate of heaven. 
I'm the gate of heaven. Do you know that if for people, if someone wants to enter heaven, they need to knock on your gate. Because it's the, the gospel is with you. If the church doesn't preach this gospel, nobody gets saved. Angels cannot preach the gospel. They only tongue tell the, you know, either direct the saints to the sinner or the sinner to the saints. But they themselves can't preach it. Because if they preach it, how will they follow up? Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. How will they follow up? Glory to God. Are you learning something? Are you learning something? All right. Now, let us um, this thing. Let's continue. So, Jesus is a sacrifice. All right. That was accepted. Now, let's continue. So, now, based on this sacrifice, the believer now offers offerings of sweet smelling sour to God by number one. So, this is how we what? offer offerings. We don't bring goats and bulls. We offer offerings by one, confessing in agreement daily with what God has done for him. All right. In Christ. With thanksgiving, Hebrews 13, 15. So it means, listen. It means, guys, listen. So through confession, homologio is thanksgiving. Father, I thank you for I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So that's why you find Paul says, Blessed be the God. Notice, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who at what? Blessed us with all spiritual blessings in what? That is Hebrews 13, 15. Glory to God. According to his divine power. According as his divine power. As what? Given unto us. All things that pertains to what? Life and godliness. That, are you seeing it? So that's why you see that they talk about it in the past tense. What he has done. Change your vocabulary. Look at someone and say, change your, change your vocabulary. Ah, change it. You wake up in the morning. According to his, according to your knowledge, knowledge and your will for me, what you said you have done, you I just need to align. Judike, oh, that is a gospel song. No man, no man, no man, no man. My confidence in you. What is man? What is man? I don't know the rest, oh. You do not lie, you will not fail. What you said, you said for me to do, he never, I don't know. What is hard for you to do? He never exists. He shall never ever exist. You are going through lack? Don't confess the lack. Confessing the lack is not worship. Confessing the lack is not praise. Declaring, the Lord is my shepherd. Homologia. Remember when, oh, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Elijah brought the sacrifice, fire fell. Hallelujah. Amen. Which means when proper sacrifices are laid, heaven responds. When proper sacrifices are offered, heaven responds. Jesus on the cross, perfect sacrifice. Heaven responded. When you begin to speak the correct words, you will see supernatural manifestation. The reason why you are seeing nothing, you are talking rubbish. You are confessing the problem. Speaking words that are an insult to the blood of Jesus Christ. Be insulting Jesus every day with your words. Making this problem look so mighty that it is impotent to solve it. 
Hallelujah. Instead of you to talk, agree. Look at him and say, I agree. I agree with the word of God. I agree with what God has done in Christ. I agree. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. I'm running up. Am I supposed to say, hey, Jesus? I've not finished to. Hey. I've not finished because I'm looking at my notes. I've not finished. I agree. You know, CRC, I'm, I, you know, I'm just going to be real with you. How many of you are okay with me being real with you? You know, CRC was coming. You notice, guys, it was late before me I announced it. You know, it took time. Maybe we're asking, PF, is there no CRC? PF, is there no CRC? Let me tell you what's going on. I didn't forget. Do you understand? Because we announced it, we are having charismatic radio in January. We told you everything was last, since last year. But was, this was the issue. Myself and the Lord were having a wrestling match. And this was a wrestling match. He said, don't you dare hold that meeting in your small venue. <laughs> he said, don't try it. Go to that tent, that big one. That's where you're having the meeting. I said, Lord, the, we are supposed to pay. I was reminding him of what you are supposed to pay. Supposed to pay this one, was supposed to pay this one. And as long as I thought that, whenever I thought of seriously, I never felt the anointing of the spirit. Because I knew I was walking in disobedience because of unbelief. Because I was about to go and do the same thing again. Praise God. He said, Don't you dare do it. Meeting is hallelujah. And he went on and went on. Then what I said, Yes, Lord, I agree with you. The meeting is there. Praise God. The meeting is there. Praise the Lord. And we did it. We went around doing it. I am no longer looking at the balance sheet. I'm not looking at the account. I'm, the account. I'm looking at what he said. Amen. And I can tell you, by the authority of a God who has, they've tried to see if he will fail, but he has never failed. He does not have the ability to fail. Are you following? He can try, he won't succeed. Are you following? Failure is not in his DNA. Amen. On the authority of that person called Jesus Christ, the first and the last. Hallelujah. Before him, there was no first. Hallelujah. And after him, there is no other. He is the Alpha and the Omega. Hallelujah. Amen. Can't fail. When you see a moving train, you don't stand in front of it. You join it. Are you following? If you stand in front of it, you crush you to powder. If you join it, you will end up at the same destination. When it comes to the word of God, you are lying. Glory to God. So you don't confess against. You confess along. You align with your words. What God said, I said, I believe it. And that's what settles it. Amen. What God has said, I believe it. And that settles it. That is worship. Amen. Alright, second way you worship is by giving your material resources in support of the kingdom. Look at Philippians chapter 4 verse 18 to 19. Let's move quickly. Philippians chapter 4 verse 18 to 19. He says there, alright, he calls giving a sweet smelling offering to the Lord. Alright, he says, but I have all and abound and I am full. Having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell. See that? A sacrifice acceptable when pleasing to what? To God. So when you give an offering, all right, in church, praise God, it is noted in heaven. 
Let me give you a collaborative scripture. In Acts of Apostle chapter 10, verse 1, an angel appeared to Cornelius. He said, your prayer and your arms have risen up as a memorial before who? God. Don't let anybody tell you that when you give an offering in church, you gave it to the pastor, that it's, you didn't give it to God. The Bible does not agree. Hallelujah. Amen. Bible does not agree. Because if that were correct, then we will not be rewarded for our giving. And scripture says we will be. Don't be deceived though. Your giving is important to the Lord. Jesus was standing in the temple. The Bible said he stood by the treasury and was watching people give. Is that what the Bible said? Is that what the Bible said? Yes, sir. He was what you forgive. He was watching. He was, listen, guys, listen. He wasn't saying your giving is between you and God. No. People always make that mistake. It is your arms you do private. But giving before God, how did, they, how did we know that Barnabas sold his land and gave it? It's because it was public. Is that not it? The reason why you want to hide your giving, because your giving is, is you are ashamed of what you are giving. Your conscience is telling you you can give more. We all need to have the mindset of David that our giving is worship to God. Where we go and say, I are far be it from me to give to God what doesn't cost me anything. Sacrifice, when it comes to giving, is in what it costs you. I'm not talking about five. Oh, you, you earn five hundred thousand. You are giving fifty naira in church. That's not worship. I don't know what that is. It's not even arms. It's ammunition. <laughs> it's not, I don't know what that is. Giving sacrificially. It's an odor, sweet smelling savour to God. When your local church, you are a financial pillar. Barnabas was called a son of consolation. Why did they tell him a son of consolation? What does he mean to console something? You think he was coming there whenever they were sad? <laughs> now, so we see him, oh, hey, this country. Is it that what was with? No! They needed money to run ministry and he took his land. If you understand land in, among the Jews, you will understand that in the, in, uh, in, in the Jewish culture, the land is what connected you to Israel. The Jew never sold his land. Barnabas sold it, his inheritance, and took all the money and gave it. He said that the apostles called him son of consolation. There are sons of consolation that every pastor, every pastor has sons of consolation in the church. People that we know. That when there's a project, this person will stretch. He may not have, he may not be richest. See, sons of consolation are usually not the richest in the church. They are the ones that are worshippers. And when I say worshipper, I'm not saying the singers. Oh. Singing is not worship. <laughs> you must have understood that by now. That worship means surrender. Amen. Singing is not worship. You understand? You can be a good singer and not be worshipping. <laughs> Glory to God. All right, give in. Our material resources. The third thing in the New Testament we do that is worship is we give our bodies. 
Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable. So, your body is holy and acceptable. He's saying, treat your body as the temple of God. Present your body as a tool for God to use on the earth. He says, this is your reasonable service. That's what service there is, worship. Your reasonable ministration. Your reasonable ministry. Alright, so that means he's saying that if you don't give God your body, then you are not worshipping him. For God wants to use your body. He wants to express through your body. Your body! When they are calling for evangelism, God needs your body there. Service in church, he needs your body there. Hallelujah. Amen. When they are building something, he needs your body there. We are doing Bible study training, all right? Um, um, CRC, all of that. He needs your body there because he needs you trained. If you cannot align and submit yourself to training, how can he use you? What can you give if you are not trained? One of the major problems with many Christians is misplaced priorities and indiscipline. But many modern work Christians don't know it's indiscipline. For example, we are talking about CRC. Some people are planning not how to attend it. They are planning how to miss it. They already have their strong reasons. Why they won't be present. Then that same person will not come and be singing, Use me, oh Lord, you are like a liar. You are not serious. Use you out. You are not serious. What do you mean use you? You don't mean what you are saying. That's, that's why it's not worship. You understand? You can as well be singing. There's by moonlight. The sun is on rise. The moon is awake. The land is so green. That is, you understand? Because, listen to me, everybody, God needs your body. He needs your body. Your, the power of God flows through your body. But for it to flow through your body, won't we impart your body? Won't we teach you? Or did the word of God and the knowledge of the gospel automatically spring up in your mind? He needs your body. So present it. Make it available. Amen. Make it available. Make your social media and do available. We are talking about church. We say, okay, after service, share what you have learned. That ministry of sharing what you have learned, it has blessed so many people. A lot of people have gotten to know the message of Oikea and have been blessed by it. Many of them are coming to our because of that hashtag Oikea spreading. Present your body. Present it. Don't just say, eh, I like, I, I, I see it, but I'm not a social media person. Stop being selfish. What do you, do you think I'm a social media person? They bomb me with Twitter in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Or they burn us with uh, WW. Do you understand? Let's go and preach the gospel. I'm not an outgoing person. So you thought when they gave birth to us, we came out first. Is that what, what, what are you talking about? What do you mean outgoing? Don't talk like that. It's not what the word of God says about you. I'm shy. Where exactly is that in the foot of the spirit? You are not shy. You have the spirit of God. That is who you are. That is your dear shyness for where? Stop talking against the word. Amen? 
giving your bodies. Romans 12, 1 to 3. Number, the next thing is, all right, praise. Praise. To praise means to laudate, to magnify. We do this primarily in the spirit. In fact, we find out that most of the interpretation of tongues in scriptures was mostly exaltation of what God has done. Acts 10, 46, they prayed and magnified God. Acts 2, 4 and 11, they said, for we hear them speak in our dialect, in our languages, the wonderful works of God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So that's what praise is. So it means that when we are praising God, we are magnifying God for what he has done. Amen. For what he has done. Primarily what he has done in Christ. Then what he has done in our lives, we praise him. Amen. He delivered us from certain death. We praise him. He supplied. We praise him. Amen. That's what praise is. We can praise him understanding and praise him in the, in the spirit. Glory to God. I said glory to God. You praise him. The praise is not a... Uh, 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 Allah, Allah, pick up the car. Amen. Well, you understand? <laughs> That's not praise. Before somebody comes and be singing it in church. There was one song, one some Yahoo boys that I music sang. Is it Shikwekun? Have you what is them? What there's one song about Hebu God. I couldn't believe it when I heard them singing that song in church. No more insufficient. And they were doing like this. No more insufficient. I'm like, and a, a gospel music minister came to a church and was singing it and was doing the thing. I was like, what is wrong with you, brother? Are you not ashamed? What is your man? The, the funny thing was, you know, the church folks too got up and they were doing like this. Oh, no more. And they were like, oh, I was so blessed in the service. You were, you were blessed in the service. You were blessed. What do you mean you were blessed? Praise God. I found that sometimes what some people call blessed in a service reveals their carnality. Some people are blessed by light. You understand? We receive in a service, the pastor has preached. There is no proper explanation of scripture. They are just sharing things that have no foundation in scripture. I, I, I always get very, very worried. When a man of God can speak for one hour, 15 minutes, and he doesn't break down or explain any scripture. He's just sharing stories. You're rising. You're kinik on. Then people are saying, hey, hmm, show me from the word. He can't show. And then you're rising. These are secrets. Kinik on principle. Oh, yeah, now. Okay, yeah, okay, good. Show me inside the word. Nothing. This is how God make. So, but, but everything is appealing to the fleshly desire to rise. To be in front of your siblings. To be the one they call when they have a meeting. You can't start with, ah, come on. The word, please. The word. Because if you don't teach the word, I can't worship God. Because it is by the word I worship. Are you following? If I don't know what he has said, how can I agree with him? So show me in the word so I can agree. Glory to God. Show me so I can agree. Amen. Amen. Listen to me and I'll end with this. False worship of God is tied most times to improper Bible interpretation, a poor Bible study culture, 
and is usually spurred by churches having a culture of spending the most money on programs that have the least spiritual value. The biggest programs lead to spiritual content. Alias, I don't want to take too much of your time by opening too many scriptures, those kind of meetings. I just want to shift you into your next level. Hallelujah. I will shift you. How? Are you? Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise God. Praise the Lord. And the people are never shifted. They will come again for the next program. Why? Because there can be a lot of activations. But if there is no illumination, activation will die out. Hallelujah. Listen. Never, ever, ever relegate spiritual value to the background. It will save your life. Praise the Lord. I've been blessed. Can we lift up our hands and pray in the Holy Ghost? You have just listened to a message by Reverend Dr. Femi Olale of Oikea Christian Center. For other messages, visit our website at www.oikiacc.org. Remain blessed.